Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your bandit host, Javi. <laughs> and uh, this week we're doing the uh, Christmas classic, Home Alone. <laughs> are you asking Macaulay us? Or, are you asking or telling us? <laughs> um, and, uh, well, besides the movie that we're doing this week, uh, we actually are uh, being joined by a third person on the podcast. So uh, joining us is our friend Joey. Yeah, thanks for having me on, you guys. Doing an awesome job with your podcast. Uh, oh, thank you. Doing since the beginning, so I'm really proud of you guys. And yeah, let's kick some ass for you. Look, that's what people are here for: <laughs> some wholesome content. Also, fun fact: Joe is our resident uh, Christmas guy. Actually, Joey actually absolutely loves Christmas, so it just was to bring him on for a Christmas special to be able to talk about one of the best Christmas movies, regardless of what Angel says. <laughs> Well, I feel like, I mean, it's it's becoming really fun for us to do kind of like these holiday-themed movies when the holidays are coming up. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure this will rank right up there with Black Christmas and New Year's Evil. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, New Year's Evil. The great New Year's Evil. Who can forget that one? <laughs> yeah, the one where me and Angel fucking... True story, Angel and I forgot, like, we had to stop the podcast and talk about where what exactly the movie was about, because we just watched it and immediately forgot about it. I, I actually think we legitimately paused recording that episode so that we could watch like a chunk of that movie and then get back to recording it and i think we were just like angrier once we did that (laughs) and we struggled like to put together even like an hour worth of uh discussion on that movie because we hated it so much i mean to be fair i think the movie's only like an hour and 15 minutes so we're gonna spend an hour talking about it You you might as well damn well read the script i'm so happy that i'm not doing krampus well, it's it's, ne- it's not it's not too late for that because I've actually never seen that movie. So maybe next wow. maybe next Christmas. You also <laughs> you're also not missing anything. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the, this week's movie is directed by Chris Columbus, who I guess did the original Harry Potter movie, but who I mostly know. And, and he's done like a ton of other like well-known movies, but really what I love him most for is he's the guy who did the script to Gremlins. He's a director of this movie, and this movie was actually written by John Hughes, who I think we've kind of mentioned it a lot on this show that I'm a huge fan of kind of like the teen movies that he does. But there's also this like other segment of John Hughes movies, like with John Holiday Candy. Holiday Holcomb like... movie? <laughs> Well, like, it's like planes, trains, and automobiles, and, um, you know, I forgot John Candy was even in this movie before I saw it, so it really, it really, like, is wild, like, to, to actually watch, you know, later day John Hughes, and, uh, yeah, this movie, I swear, I remember it, I remember scenes from it here and there, but the one I watched more than anything was actually Home Alone 2 Lost in New York when I was great, younger. Great movie. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really good, but because like that's the movie that I have the greater frame of reference for, this really did feel like watching a movie for the first time in 20 years when I saw this one for the podcast. Don't don't gloss over that Chris Columbus also directed Mrs. Doubtfire. I, I mean, he also did I Love You, Beth Cooper, but we're not going to talk about it. Hey, show up! I love I love you, Beth Cooper. Pixels—that's really? a different story, but we're not we're not going <laughs> to talk about Pixels. He also did Percy Jackson, and also you know, a little personal shout out. I think I told both you guys on different occasions. Might as well talk about it on the show. 
Uh, my mom actually worked for him when he uh, when he used to live out here in the city. <laughs> I'm very surprised you brought that up. Yeah, I, I swear to you, I I knew that, but I was just like, yeah, I'm not telling anybody else's business on me. Yeah, so I mean, I might as well tell the business because I've actually. Well, it's, like, it's your mom, so. <laughs> yeah, it's my mom, so I can tell her damn story. I guess. Does that yeah. mean we could does that mean we could officially <laughs> call him friend of the podcast, Chris Colon? <laughs> I'm like 90% sure he doesn't even know I'm doing this podcast. You can you can call him family of the podcast. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I call him his, mo- his mom was in the house. She worked for him for like 20 years. Him and his wife. She saw she saw his kids grow up and go to college and whatnot. Like she um like she she thanks to actually Chris Columbus that's the reason why I was able to you know get a decent education get to college and whatnot so <laughs> I'm very appreciative of the guy I actually it's, got to go to a couple of Harry Potter premieres because uh because he had tickets and was like here he, he told my mom go ahead take your family I'm sure you're Harry son. Potter premieres you're just living out little Joey's nine year old dream <laughs> with my personal experience I'm gonna be highly biased with when it comes to talking about if I like this movie or not nice. Me too. No. <laughs> oh yeah, Angel. But, please, but please stay till the end of the podcast to hear my to hear my final thought. Joey, why don't you give your experience of the movie since I think Javi and I have already exhausted our, our thoughts on it pre-discussion. To be honest, I have no idea. It was the first time I watched this movie. I mean, I, it's pretty much been on every Christmas since I can remember. So I don't know the first time I watched it, but I do remember being. I'm not going to say the same age because I I don't even know how old Macaulay Culkin is supposed to be in the movie, like seven. But I remember my parents leaving me at home at that age. Like they didn't, you know, they left him at the house, which we'll get to. But my parents, like I walked home from school and it was like a mile away. Like they would leave me at home to like go out to get dinner. So like I always thought that like being at home and doing badass stuff was something that I should be doing at that age. And there may have been some stuff broken in my house. My earliest memory is like around the holidays. I watched this movie when I was probably, like I said, I don't know, like eight, nine. And my parents left and I was like, crap, I'm home alone. What if somebody comes to get me? I just picture like a nine-year-old Joey, like standing at the mirror with his hands on his cheeks, screaming. <laughs> um, Joey, between you and me and Angel, you totally took a sled down some stairs, didn't you? Yes, but I used, like, those storage bins that you put, like, Christmas decorations in. And, like, I could fit my whole body in. And then I went straight down some stairs. Luckily for us, like, the stairs end- didn't end into, like, a wall. So, like, I still had, like, 10 to 12 feet of clearance after I got to the bottom. So, really, it just, like, ended with me me tumbling out of the storage bin and doing the fat kid roll a couple of times. <laughs> the fat kid roll? It's funny because I visualize exactly what you're talking about. You know when you flip over the top of it? Like, I totally would have been on Ridiculousness if I had a camera set up back then. You know what I mean? Like, I would have toppled right over. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So this movie starts in a uh, Chicago suburb, and that's where we see the McAllister family. Um, And funny enough, like, I remember Kevin's family from this movie very well. What I did not remember is that we actually meet Joe Pesci's character, uh, right away early in this movie when he's dressed up as a police officer coming to ch- uh, case this house and it, you know it's so funny I, I love that scene because it really does like capture like 
the fucking chaos of like you know javi and i we have a very big family like it just captures the, the chaos of like trying to get anything done in like a massive group <laughs> like it totally reminds me of like times when our entire families have gone to el salvador and like nobody can decide on either what to do what to eat like what time we're all getting up to get ready to go somewhere <laughs> it's just, it is such a total nightmare that this thing captures and you know it's the, the kind of like suspend your disbelief that this family like had left this kid but those kinds of like family like frenzies when you're going on a trip together like is so wild that it is slightly believable that they would forget a member of the family. <laughs> maybe not, maybe not once they were on the airplane, but, uh, they're like, you know, what's weird. Like I get like Kevin and buzz and I forgot which, which one of the girls was, was their like actual sister. Uh, I get them like grabbing stuff and still packing. What I didn't get is why the cousins were like, Hey, uh, which shampoo should I bring? Cause I'm like, you don't live there though. <laughs> like you go out of your way to be like, I don't live here. So it was just, like that was one of those weird things that I noticed as an adult, where I'm like, why the hell are, is everyone else packing? Shouldn't they already and, be packed? And why are all the kids such assholes? That's probably yeah. Oh my god. Everyone in the McCoskey family is kind of an asshole. asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Buzz is a fucking sociopath. The sisters like constantly calling him incompetent. <laughs> I feel bad. Like, Kevin is just being shitted on just for being, like, seven years old. <laughs> Don't even get me started on Uncle Frank. Uncle Frank is a giant fucking turd. I love that they established, like, pretty quickly how uh, how severely unlikable a lot of the people in his family are. Because, I, you know, it, it, it helps that, I mean, you know, uh, Kevin is pretty much portrayed as the runt in this family, even though he's mm-hmm. not the youngest. Like, he's just the, the kid that everyone kind of glosses over and ignores. and so he's he he's not he's not young enough to be the cute like you know youngest child or baby like he's somehow like a middle child in all of this and 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 seems to be like fully ignored um but the all right so so harry is i guess joe pesci's character who shows up as a police officer uh gets completely ignored um but at the same time like while he while he and the pizza guy are being ignored by everyone in the family, he does sneak a moment to actually hear from uh, Mr. McAllister what, how I guess their their security system works. So effectively, like telling him everything he needs to know, right? And it, based on the conversation, the the stuff that Kevin says later in the movie, it seems that this is a time of year that a lot of people in this very rich, affluent. Chicago suburb like tend to travel so a lot of these houses will be like left you know like without anyone in them and uh yeah so so that's there, there's your setup for the movie uh the next morning everyone is uh pile into the cars head to the airport and once the family is has has gotten onto the airplane that's when they discovered that <laughs> they had left Kevin at home and then uh you cut back to the house and Kevin is waking up and he like, it takes him a while to even figure out that everyone has left without it. <laughs> hey, let me, it's... let me put this out real quick. I, I've mm-hmm. seen a lot on social media, how they make fun of, I mean, this, this could totally just be a white person thing. And you know, I'm right now on this podcast, I'm the resident white person. So <laughs> um, I totally used to drink milk with dinner all the time. And I love how social media has gotten on, Kevin's mom for making everybody drink milk with the pizza. 
local white man drinks milk with dinner. <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> No, and I think Katie's Darn like, right it is. Is it? she's like, yeah, drink all the milk because before it goes bad. And I'm like, well, why'd y'all buy some milk? If y'all, it's like y'all knew y'all was going to Paris, all right? Don't give me a shit. It's crazy the bizarre set of circumstances that like sets up for them leaving Kevin. But you know, there's the power outage, so all their alarms go off, and it's like, so that everyone sleeps in and in the rush because they sent Kevin to sleep by himself up in the attic. It totally makes sense that no, you know, out of sight, out of mind. And pl- of course the stupid, annoying neighbor kid has to come over while they're doing the head count. He messes everything up. So it's like, it's one of those things that's like, yeah, it's a really goofy, like written, but I actually like how it's uh, how it was really well thought out. You know, I think like, it ties it into like, like what Angel was saying too. Like if you have that many people, like that much family over for the holidays, it's going to be super chaotic. And if you throw in a trip where like, 14 people have to get to the airport by a certain time in the morning during the busiest traveling time of the year. I mean, you know, you could, I guess you could theoretically see how somebody may get left at the house. You, you are going all the way like to, to, to Paris on, on such a busy holiday. I can't imagine. I, it's like, I don't, while I was watching this movie, I was just thinking about, oh my God, like the moment that like we're done being locked out because of COVID and like people start traveling again, it is going to be an absolute shit sucking nightmare at every single like <laughs> local airport. I know, especially some, some airports have closed down. So imagine being like in San Jose, like Mineta, that's probably going to be a fucking nightmare as soon as this starts up again. But yeah, like uh, one of the one of the little background gags that I love that happens is that ha- is how uh, the McCall the McAllister statue keeps getting dropped by whoever's driving into their driveway. Like I think the pizza delivery guy knocks it over the night before, and then the morning of the trip, you see the two dudes from the bus shuttle or the van shuttles like putting the <laughs> the statue back up. I don't know why it gets me every time. I'm like, what? <laughs> when he gets knocked down like the three times. Yeah, it, like, happens one more time. It's just one of those little, like, visual gags that keeps coming up. So, yeah, Kevin realizes that he's all by himself, so immediately he starts doing all the dumb shit that you get yelled at as a kid for doing. <laughs> like, jumping on the bed, eating upstairs, uh, the aforementioned sled down the stairway. Like, I love right. how he magically makes it all the way down the stairs and outside the house. Yeah, he, like, he goes flying outside the house, too. It's like, there was no ramp. <laughs> The, I think the shocking part about watching this movie again for the first time in a long time is uh, just actually like how much of the movie is really just Kevin hanging out by himself at the house. Like I'm so used to Home Alone 2 where like Harry and Marv like show up super early and the entire movie is like the, just them being chased. But Harry and Marv and Kevin and Kevin's mother like all of these like different characters are actually given a much more screen time than I remember. Well, I was going to comment on it later too. Like I think for Macaulay Culkin did a pretty good job of acting when there's nobody in the room with them. Macaulay Culkin ruled the nineties, like between this and <laughs> Richie Rich Richie and Rich? <laughs> Oh my God. There was, there was so, there was other movies too. There was so Uncle many Buck, movies that I watched. Home Alone yes. too. I mean, Home Alone too. <laughs> yeah. He was a my girl. girl. Oh, is that the man. one where he gets killed, like by the by the bee, because he uh, he's like uh, a, allergic dude, or something? Spoiler, God. No. Oh my bad, I spoiled some. No, movie. I've seen it. I've seen it. I'm just 
Well, it's 25 years old. I'm not going to feel bad about that. (laughs) Statute of limitations. What's the statute of limitations? (laughs) On spoilers for movies from the 90s. (laughs) Wasn't there a movie where he was like a a stepkid that wanted to kill Elijah Wood? Yeah. Oh, I forgot what movie that was. The Good Son. The Good Son. There we go. Damn, dude. He also had a really jacked up personal life at home. Yeah. Oh, he was. Oh, also, I never would have He also plays uh, Jacob's son in Jacob's Ladder. Remember? His little brother also plays Fuller. Is it Kiernan? I think uh, the only two movies I know him from are Scott Pilgrim vs. the World and that one about Norwegian death metal on Hulu, which you guys should check out. Yeah, it's weird. Um, I may I pass like on it. that one, but yeah, he was awesome in Scott Pilgrim. All right, this is turning into a Macaulay Culkin podcast now. <laughs> hey, shut up. The man's great, all right? He and is. And and he, also, he also dated Mila Kunis for a while and would be on the set of that 70s show just hanging and, out. And well, he's getting married to Brenda Song. Yeah, he's getting married to Brenda Song, and apparently she's really helped him kind of clean his life up. So, you know, He was deep in the drugs, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, so... You know, child actors. It's it's kind of nice to hear him doing better. <laughs> Thanks to All right, I'm gonna reach. Song. I'm gonna reach out to uh, Mr. Columbus and see if he can hook us up with Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> down to hang out with us. I don't know. Oh, well, these days Macaulay Culkin like actually like has surprisingly like he's surprisingly active on like wrestling Twitter. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't That's know two worlds I didn't expect I to cross. Yeah, I don't know what what he really does these days, but <laughs> anyway. So the 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 recurring gag of old man Marley being the local serial killer, according to Buzz. Um, you know that, that that's one of those recurring jokes that comes up, and it you know it's like this specter for uh Kevin to be afraid of for the rest of the movie, but uh you know as we learn, he's just. He's just an old guy that likes doing nice things, like salting the uh, salting the sidewalk so that no one slips on the fresh snow. And that's all I really remember from him. <laughs> at least, at least leading up, right? Um, but like Angel was saying, we we also get introduced to Harry and Marv, also known as the Wet Bandits. Um, you know, that the, the, that's part of their racket where well, I believe it was Harry that he goes in dressed up as a police officer, gets an idea of what the families are doing for the holidays and they plan their uh, burglaries accordingly. And I think it's Marv. He's the one that leaves the, the, the water running in the houses that they break into to try to create a brand. Having watched really only Home Alone 2 for much of my life, I forget why they called him the, the wet bandit. So I was pleasantly surprised to see that there was actually like a reasoning behind this in this movie you're like it wasn't just left to as like a dumb in joke from earlier yeah with with kate with uh kevin's mom we get to see a lot of like like you said she gets a lot of screen time a lot more than i than i remember too because for the most part when you watch home alone one those last 20 minutes are like where the big gags are um but, yeah you know, like someone like me who hadn't seen the movie in 20 years what was the last movie that we did this for i swear we did this where like where uh i talked about like what i remembered a movie drive when we did drive, drive remember yeah. i just i remember like kind of like giving my breakdown of what i thought the movie was going to be about and then watching it and it's like the last 20 minutes of this movie which is like all the you know the booby trap gags 
Like those, that is what I thought the bulk of the runtime of this movie was doing. <laughs> so yes, I, I just want to know how you shocked. escaped not watching it that much. I mean, it's literally on all the time on like multiple channels every Christmas. Like, how have you, you know, avoided watching this? I have a really bizarre rotation of like Christmas movies that I go through. There's like the classic ones that everyone does, like Die Hard and gremlins and stuff and and then there's just like other stuff that i've gone through like i'll watch black christmas i'll watch like eyes wide shut even i think i've even seen eyes wide shut on christmas more than i've seen home alone is a fan of alternative christmas movies those movies (laughs) that must be it yeah it's movies that take place on christmas and that's literally the only connection to christmas he likes the he likes watching the depeche mode of christmas movies i got it (laughs) Holy shit, that is a dated reference. <laughs> is Depeche Mode even doing anything? I like watching Santa Slay with Bill Goldberg. <laughs> Jesus. That's where he was killing people. I mean, to be fair, there was a sci-fi Christmas movie this year called, like, where this woman mistakenly wrote Satan instead of Santa. So Satan shows up to deliver her gifts on Christmas. Nice. Fuck up, are you serious? <laughs> oh, I'm being dead serious. What I do kind of like, though, is that even though this movie is a movie that, yes, a lot of other people have seen a lot more times than I have, what's kind of nice about it is for this show, you almost kind of get to rediscover it <laughs> by watching yeah, it, it again. And, and, and you'll get to rediscover it in a couple years because you'll watch it with Iris. <laughs> Actually, Iris was super into Gremlins when we watched it. <laughs> This past week, she's like they're so adorable. <laughs> she's like, look at all the baby Yodas. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, like we're like I like we were saying earlier, like the the thing with Kate, like, and you know the the I forget what the actress is named um, that plays. You should know too, she's in Shit's Creek, which you actually like too. I and that's the hard part. I love Shit's Creek, and she is fantastic in Shit's Creek. Oh, you're talking uh, about Catherine O'Hara. O'Hara. Yeah. yeah. She's she's Catherine also fantastic. She's, yeah, she's awesome in Shits Creek. Uh she's the mother in Beetlejuice, and she's also yeah. Sa- she's also Sally in Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, oh I had no idea about that. that. Yeah. <laughs> and she also yeah, is so she she also has a pretty good singing voice. So the the singing that Sally does in Nightmare Before Christmas is actually Catherine O'Hara. That's awesome. No way, I had no idea. But anyway, like, yeah, so she does, like, a great job, like, being a mom, right? Like, I thought she was really good, like, conveying a lot of emotion stuff. Like, I don't want to talk about how great of a dramatic actress she was, but I'm like, damn, she really sold it, though, being, like, <laughs> like being a mom that's, like, lost her kid. Like, I, I you you really do feel for her. I love well, I love her. how the dad plays it off, too. She, she... She, I love, I love when the dad plays it off, and she's like, "Did you lock the doors?" And he's like, "Yeah." And she's like, "Did you, you lock the garage?" That's it. That's it, babe. I didn't lock the garage. I'm a, yeah. I'm a dumbass. I didn't lock the Which garage. is like, it's so relatable, right? Because it's like, how many times have you gone on a trip? You leave the house, and and it's just exactly like I just remember my wife and I taking a trip with with well, all of my wife, my daughter, and I. We all took a trip to Seattle last winter. And uh, we're just like going through all the things. Do you remember this? Did you remember this? Did you remember this? And it's just like, you just know that there's something that you've forgotten. And it's like, no matter what, there's always one minor thing that that, that you'll forget when you're going somewhere. But uh, like yeah, that one that... thing always matters too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, this, but the fact like that we forgot the phone on... charger. And... 
Yeah, and you're gonna oh, need yeah. it for the next several days. <laughs> yeah. But crap. Uh, <laughs> since we're on Catherine O'Hara, like, yeah, I I agree. Like, she is super. I I did not expect her to be as sympathetic as as she was in this. I think because like, if you watch the second one more, it's again, it, it's 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 kind of more of a gag by then, and it's less. Whereas like this one, because this is the first time that it's happened, it feels more earnest and it feels less neglectful. And I think when you watch part two, it it, it starts to feel more neglectful. So the fact that she was someone that I super related to, and I'm about to make a I'm about to make a comparison that's gonna fucking annoy and blow your mind <laughs> but i swear watching her like i was literally thinking of like ellen burson as the mom in the exorcist <laughs> and yeah. not because of what is, what is happening to her child but like the fact that just like ellen burson like she's able to really like really play a mom who is worried about what's going on with her child and has absolutely no control over what's happening to him like that's that's what I mean when I say that. But yeah, it's like well, I think I, I, I think Catherine Harris comes off as super genuine for the most part when it when when it came to her conveying her sense of being scared and her sense of like regret that she feels for leaving him. I think I think it to me it comes off fairly genuine and it plays really well off the dad not really freaking out as much, like the dad trying to be the calm one, like, okay, hey, we'll get this figured out. We'll call the neighbors, we'll call the police. Um, and she's more of like, holy heck, what did I just do? Yeah. Like, we but, and, the and the cool thing, too, is that, like, even, even, even the father comes off as a lot more sympathetic than you would think, mainly because even though he's not making, he's not panicking the same way that, uh, that you know, that, that Kevin's mom is, like he he is also just kind of helping helping calm her down kind of like keeping everything like at a, about as e- even a level as humanly possible <laughs> for a situation yeah. like this yeah. uh they end up calling the police they 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 ask the police to kind of like what is it like just do a sweep or do a like look check. around yeah do like yeah i so. love the i love the gag with chicago pd because she gets bounced oh that was great it's so dumb, but I love it. Like how distant, and it's just it's peak everybody working during the holidays. How disinterested we are with doing our jobs leading up to Christmas. Even the officer who goes by the house, he's like, "The house is secure. Tell the lady to check her kids." <laughs> like, he, just, like, he just like plays with the doorknob, and he's like, "Yep, that's good enough for me." <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Chicago probably has a lot more other things going on in general, no matter what the year is. So, but Ooh, shots fired at Chicago PD. Pew pew. <laughs> nah, that's right. I hate that place too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's. But um, yeah, I think that's where we get the gag. Uh, well, no, after that we get the pizza gag, right? The pizza delivery gag. <laughs> oh, filthy with, souls. Yeah, <laughs> filthy souls. All right. Everyone, everyone knows this tidbit about the movie, right? That they directed that scene to make into like that. It's just, it's not actually part of a movie. It's like just a short they filmed specifically for this movie. Everyone knew that, right? Or is that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Well, you didn't know this? Oh. Yeah, that was something they filmed. They specifically filmed that short just for this film. That's fucking weird. That's awesome, actually. Like I yeah, swear, it's not like a real it really. Movie. And they, 
I think they even filmed it using like like an old camera. Oh my god! Like, yeah, it they looks, filmed it, it using like an old camera. It legitimately looks like a, a 30s or 40s gangster movie. I'm very surprised. They went out of their way to like really pay attention to detail. Like for these for this film, it's actually really cool. And uh, yeah, that's one. Not of to my... mention the stunt coordinator, which we'll get into. <laughs> oh really? You got a story about the stunt coordinator? Yeah. Nice. Well, no, I mean like the stunts. The stunts were all done with real stuntmen, with like no CGI, no fake noise. So like all the crashes were real. You know what I mean? Like all the they were all the stunts were all the paint cans. Yeah. I guess the movie like for years after after this movie came out, the film was praised for a long time for the stunt work that was done. No shit. Yeah. That was praise I was not expecting uh, Home Alone to be getting. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty crazy, but yeah. Like the 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 what is it? Angels with filthy souls is like, it's the gag movie that everyone plays. It's the movie that um that uh that Kevin couldn't watch, but all the older kids could watch, and he complains about it earlier. But yeah, it's essentially just these two mobsters, and they have the just this epic dialogue where a dude owes another dude money and ends up getting shot. And as Angels, or I mean Angel, as Joey said earlier, he gets capped off with the now famous line keep the change you filthy animal and it's like funny kevin keeps playing this over the first time we watch it he freaks out and calls out for his mom um the second time he actually uses it to scare the i believe pizza it was delivery the, guy yeah he scares the pizza delivery guy so he can just uh get him to leave or just you know prank him right and i think he uses it a third time to scare uh the wet bandits when they tried to break in in the he middle does. It's uh it, yeah it was really cool a lot of attention to detail, um, and it's one of those funny things where it's like and people recognize the movie in the in the film the movie in the movie but like I think that one point Harry's like why does that sound so familiar Snake <laughs> yeah because of the dude named Snakes right oh man but it's like well well his family's freaking well Kevin's family's freaking out out in Paris he's out here yucking it up watching like r-rated movies and getting on uh all kinds of shenanigans out here <laughs> but you know without the help because no one believes um kate and peter that their son is home alone like the wet bandits keep trying to break in that's something i forgot about actually i forgot that the wet bandits had like two or three attempts uh to break into the McAllister house well yeah they get they foiled when, when kevin sets up the whole christmas party thing and then they get foiled again when he does the uh the filthy the filthy animal part yeah like i love my, my personal favorite one is uh no and even before that that when they tried to break in through the basement and he manages to turn on the basement light before yeah, they can, yeah uh, sure. break the door right, in. Yeah. So it's like every time it 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 escalates a little more a little more, and we start. It, what I really like about that is it shows how resourceful Kevin is. Like, yeah, Kevin is like seven Definitely. eight year old kid, but it's like every time these guys try to like step up their attempt to try to break into the house, he finds new newer more creative ways to get him to get him to leave him alone. Like, you mean like really, climbing climbing Buzz's ten foot wall to get the money on top of the shelf. <laughs> Oh, he trashes the shit out of Buzz's. Room. Oh, wait. I got a fun fact about that scene. Oh, you know how both of you, both of you guys, like I recommended, you guys should watch that thing on Netflix about the making of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so Chris Columbus actually used his son in the, when, uh, when Macaulay Culkin pulls the picture of Buzz's girlfriend, that's Chris Columbus's son. 
<laughs> and was the it because he didn't? Was it because he didn't want to hire a union actor to, or union stunt actor for this? No, no, it's actually super kindful. He actually didn't want to put a little girl into the picture that was going to be made fun of because he didn't want a little girl that would get bullied outside of the movie. So he figured, let me use my son, throw a wig on her, you know, and make kind of make him look like a girl, take this really ugly photo. So there isn't some little girl running around getting bullied after the movie comes out. Oh, that's actually really cool. I did, I had so no cool. idea about that story. Yeah. That's smart though. That is a way to get around that. Like, you know, being responsible for someone getting bullied <laughs> that's really cool though um but yeah like the party scene i love uh i i, I love that i love that it we're like they're subconsciously getting us ready for the final confrontation between the wet bandits and kevin because you know we get I thought you were gonna say you love the six foot tall michael jordan cardboard cutout that's, that's on a rotating train Oh, talk about 90s things like, i know it, that room is just all 90s shit. First of all, why weird. is there a house with so many mannequins in it mannequins are creepy in houses dude like i don't get it like he has like four or five mannequins and he has them propped up in the living room and i'm like what is the mom a fashion designer is that why they have so much money shit <laughs> Oh man, I just remember when we were kids, like one of our cousins' houses, they had a bunch of mannequins. I think Angel remembers that more than I do. My mom used to have a bunch of them too, because she was also she was a hairstylist for <laughs> many, many years before she retired recently. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, seeing like those like frightening mannequins is something that is not too out of place for me. <laughs> Creepy. Uh, and the other thing I forgot to talk about was. Kevin uh, confronting his fears and going down into the basement, right? Like, we yeah. see a lot, of, a lot of growth for this kid, too, because you know, in the beginning of the film, he's like so useless, and he's getting made fun of and picked on by all the older kids and whatnot. And then by the end of this movie, he's like washing clothes by himself, he's going, he's like feeding himself, he's taking, he's going to the, uh, he's going to the store and buying uh, groceries for the, himself and the house and stuff. Like I don't want to like I don't want to gloss over that part, but like that's low key my favorite part of the movie. Like outside of the calamity that is the end, like the craziness that happens in the last twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. To me, the scene where he goes grocery shopping, and like to me, this is like a total callback to Uncle Buck when he's when him and John Candy are talking at the at the breakfast table. I don't I don't know if you guys have seen Uncle Buck. I haven't seen but, it years. Yeah, but like Macaulay Culkin kind of goes through this 20 questions with John Candy at the breakfast table in the, in the house, and it's a total callback because like the cashiers just rip like, where's your, where's your brothers and sisters? I'm an only child. Where's your parents? Outside. It's like She's like, what's your address? I don't got to tell you. Why? Because you're a stranger. <laughs> like the whole, like his little back and forth with, with that cashier is so funny to me, and it just shows, like this kid is like what every kid wants to be like he's kind of smart he's kind of precocious you know what i mean he's not scared to go out there and also the uh, fact that this movie that the home alone was written by john hughes and then john hughes would go on to direct uncle buck like again it they they do feel like i I did i didn't remember how much home alone felt like those like john hughes like chris columbus movies until we are watching it for this show Kevin McAllister is the kid that goes around and is in everyone's business like during the summertime riding his bike and he'll be like, hey mister, can I borrow a dollar? 
Let me borrow a dollar. Give me a fucking dollar. <laughs> and then he pulls out a switchblade out of nowhere. But like, maybe that's him down the line. <laughs> He, yeah, he he. You know what he does? He's really good at playing like annoying neighbor kid, but he's also very charming at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like it's it's like an annoying neighbor kid that you would humor every single time he like comes over and like gets in your business. <laughs> like you're not gonna hate him. Like he's not he's not one of those kids that uh that gets annoyed. Like yeah, he gets annoying, but you're never gonna be like, man, fuck this kid. You're like you're yeah. Just I did like, it. Oh. I did it. Richie Rich. So whatever. <laughs> You're just like, oh man, there he goes being a little rascal, and you only hate him because he was rich. That's why. That's beside the point. That's, <laughs> that's completely beside the point. And just, he did have a McDonald's in his house, but you know, whatever. Were you mad, jealous of the kidapult? Um, you know, maybe the baseball field that was like in his backyard, but you know, it is. <laughs> You're like, I take Kevin McAllister over Richie Rich any day of the week. That's right. And the funny thing is, like, Angel's, like, I don't know if it was just you, but, like, he does, like, he plays the neighbor in other movies. Like, in Uncle Buck, he's really, like, a, he's, he plays, like, a fairly minor role. Or, like, my girl, he does play the neighbor. So Dennis you know, the Menace. That's, like, the definition of the neighbor kid. It, exactly. So, like, you know, he does kind of play that, like, annoying neighbor role. But this one kind of put him in the forefront, right? Like, this movie was like, no, 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 you're going to be the star of this movie. And he's like, okay. And let's be real, child actors, it's really hard to get a good child actor. And I can say Macaulay Culkin is legit a good child actor. Yeah. I also think he even, I mean, he even breaks the fourth wall a couple times. So, I mean. And it's never annoying when they do it. I think he's legit. I was going to say, because Angel was talking about John Hughes, he wrote this script. He wrote this in like 10 days. Really? Yeah, he got the idea when he was packing for a trip. He, he was packing for a family trip, and he made a list, kind of like what Angel was just talking about. Like, I'm going to make a list of everything I don't want to forget. And, and one of the jokes on the list was, I don't want to forget my kids. And then he thought, hey, like, what if I did forget my kids? Like, how would that play out? And then he um, and literally he started writing. And then he started writing just while he was filming Uncle Buck, he started writing this one. Interesting. Oh, man. So, come Christmas Eve, um, so yeah, come Christmas Eve, I think by this point, Kate mentioned that she got, she was staying in the Paris airport for like a couple days, and then flew from Paris to Texas, and then Texas to ended up actually in Scranton, Pennsylvania for our office fans, which is pretty much you guys and, you know, the rest of America, (laughs) Also, then, also the the soon to be president of the United States apparently is oh yeah, from he is Grand from Pennsylvania there. too. So yeah, but go. that doesn't slap as hard as like the office <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so it's in Scranton where Kate meets. Uh, actually, uh, that's where she meets John Candy, who plays. Uh, what's his name? Gus Polinski, who's like this polka singer. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Like I, I'm very. This is the part of the movie that I maybe enjoyed the most because I was so surprised I wasn't expecting it. Again, I forgot John Candy was in this. So mm-hmm. when I see the scene where you know where they're sitting on the truck and I mean he because you know they kind of start having a conversation and he offers to give give her a ride because apparently they're going to wisconsin and because chicago's on the way they'll be able to give her a ride you know the it's just the conversation that they have is so genuine and earnest 
Mm-hmm. And he's such a likable character, just, despite the fact that it's just bizarre that he's like with this traveling polka band. <laughs> it's what? just I I loved it so much. Like I was like, damn! Like it's one of those things where you're like, yeah, I I don't watch this movie regularly, but now I think I have to. <laughs> and what one of my favorite things about that story about that scene, right, is like they're talking about it. Kate opens up. She's like, I left my son. I fucked up. I'm a terrible mom. And then. Like, Gus doesn't take away responsibility or doesn't, like, like, he doesn't say, hey, no, you're not a terrible mom. Like, he doesn't try to do anything to, like, quote unquote, help the situation. But he essentially just tells the story of how he left his kid overnight at a uh, at a funeral, funeral home. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he leaves his kid at the funeral home and ha- comes back and, like, you know, the poor kid's traumatized because he was around a dead body the entire night. And essentially telling, like, kind of telling Kate, like, hey, yeah, you messed up. That doesn't mean you're a terrible mom, because chances are every parent's going to mess up at one point. So I like that. I really like that conversation, that character interaction, because it wasn't like it wasn't trying to make things perfect and tie a little bow around the situation. If anything, I felt, and this is me talking about it as a guy with no kids, it kind of reassures <laughs> parents and parents to be the to be like, look, you're probably gonna mess up at one point. It'll be all right. Oh, you know what? I'm. <laughs> I was just about to bring this up because obviously Joey is a brand new parent, and you congratulations, know, I'm, your pullout I'm game a, week. Yep. <laughs> I'm a, and I'm and, and I'm less of a new parent at this point. So, you know, the conversation that they have about, like, you know, when you do something that, like, it, it, it's happened, right? Like, it's it, it may have not happened yet because your child is way too small. But, yes, the accidents start to happen. The stuff where you, like, where, where you're like, yeah, yeah, this kid can handle this. Like, and then all of a sudden, like, an accident happened. Like, it's just those things are so common and like the guilt, the overwhelming sense of guilt that you feel like the first time that you do something like that as a parent, it's just like, I I think that's what I appreciated so much about that scene is because it really does capture just that. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, whatever it's, 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 it's one thing that it looks bad on the outside from everything, but it's just, when you do something unintentional that unintentionally hurts your kid, it's just, there's such an overwhelming sense of like, Oh my God, I've like permanently ruined their entire lives. That, that oh, it most, definitely that, stays with you as a parent way more than yeah. I mean, and for then, sure. And then most people like, you know, will say, yeah, yeah, yeah we've all had those moments, <laughs> but you don't find that out until you have one of those moments yourself. <laughs> And also, too, like, I don't want to, like, I'm going to, I mean, I know I keep popping in with Home Alone shit. Um, John Candy filmed all his scenes in one day. Really? No shit. And he also did it, he he also did it for, like, Peanuts. I think they paid him, like, a couple hundred bucks because mm-hmm. he's really good friends with John Hughes. And oh, he was, dope. John Hughes convinced him, I need you in this movie. Yeah, he's, he's like, I need you in this movie. And John Candy was like, okay. Um, I think he was in the middle of doing another project. I'm not sure what it was, but he literally drove in or flew in, filmed all his scenes. So the scene of the van, the scene at the airport, he filmed them all in one day and then left. And that was it. That was the only time John Candy was on set. That's great. So he probably didn't even meet everyone on set. He probably just met with a few people that were going to be on the scene with him. That's wild. Pretty much. So on Christmas Eve, as as Kate tries to make her way back to Chicago, we also get 
uh, these shots of Kevin. I guess some other things to bring up with Kevin is like, yeah, we mentioned how he goes to the store by, uh, by himself, buys himself groceries. Totally forgot to talk about the 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 toothbrush gag when he accidentally steals the. Uh... <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I know. I co- I totally forgot. That's when he sees old man I... Marley. He like sees well. What's he sees old man Marley outside the neighborhood. Like... I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 like, what did he say when he's in the store? He said something super ridiculous, like, hey, excuse me, ma'am, is this toothbrush certified by the American Dental Association? That's like, what it what is. what the hell are you talking about, kid? What like, you're it? seven, are you on drugs? The fuck? Can you even spell association? Get that I know, out and, of here. And then the lady's like, I don't fucking know. Let me ask someone else. It was just, it's one of those things of a kid being doing something only an adult, and even then a boring adult would be worried about. But, um, I love so, how the other worker comes over too, and he's like, I have no idea what this kid's talking about. Like, I don't even know. And, uh, so he ends up, uh, you know, being a little scared and, uh, runs away from, uh, old man Marley with the toothbrush in his hand. And that's where, uh, he gets chased by the cop through the local park. Where apparently everyone is out fucking ice skating. Apparently that's the thing to do out in the Midwest. <laughs> no wonder that's where hockey's so damn big. But uh, he ends up taking off running, and that's where he has like another encounter with the Wet Bandits. Uh, but pretty much that takes us up into Christmas Eve, where he goes to the church. Uh, he has another interaction with Old Man Marley, um, because by this point Kevin really feels guilty. He really does feel he wished his family away after um the 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 day before the or after the night before the trip after he told his mom that he's gonna wish that his family was gone and that he wasn't a different family right um so here he talks to old man marley and old man marley tells him that you know that that there's nothing you can really do that'll push family away for too long and that you know he's gonna meet his family again not to be worried about it um and that's kind of where he talks about his his own situation with his son, how they're not as close as he wanted to be, and that he wants to work on fixing that relationship as well. Um, Kevin ends up meeting a local Santa. Uh, and <laughs> the way he talks to Santa is hilarious, where he's like, I know you're not the real Santa, you just work for the guy. But uh, if you can pass along this message for him and he tells the Santa how he just wants his family back for Christmas. Um, and the guy ends up giving him like Tic Tacs. And then, so, you know, we, we, we see this, we see these scenes where this kid pretty much, you know, the, 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 the shine of being the kid that's left home alone is kind of worn off completely. And now he's just like, dude, I, I just, I feel alone. I want my family back. <laughs> and, you know, like, it's uh, it's a feeling we all relate to. I mean, shit, that happened to me a couple years ago when my parents, uh, when my parents left for a while and I was, like, I was with them uh, and I, they were they were gone for, like, two weeks or a month or some shit. And I think Joey can vouch for it that I, just, I would hit him up and be like, hey, what you doing? You mind if I come <laughs> over for dinner? <laughs> Well, I think it. I think it also just shows the growth of his own character. Like, I know I don't want to get too like philosophical into like and how the movie plays out, but like, I think you can see the growth in his character just in that time frame alone, from being like a going batshit crazy little kid being at home alone to like, you know what? I think I need my family back. 
Mm. So I think it's, you can see the growth. I think that's important why you have those scenes in there. It's oh, the le- it's the lesson part of the movie, right? Like it's yeah. the part where you're like, all right, all the kids who are watching this, it's like, yes, they're gonna have fun seeing some of the hijinks, but then, you know, they're like, this is the part of it where you find out why it's not so great to be home alone. Not just yeah. because, not just because a whole ass home invasion is about to take place, <laughs> but but also just because uh, you'll end up you'll end up discovering all the things that you may have been able to do better that would probably have you feeling a little bit less guilty or a little bit like, yeah, they probably all left me because they were tired of me. And I feel like that's the kind of like feeling that you get from Kevin's character. And mm. that really does lead into the scene later on where he's uh, going into the church on Christmas Eve, I guess. And uh, he sees, I guess, one of the neighbor, one of the neighbors, uh, yeah, one man. of the neighbor girls who's like singing oh. in the choir and i guess the, the old man who is also in the church with him that's where you find out that he's the grandfather to this child but he's never able to actually see her or they're never able to like know who he is because he had a falling out with his adult son i wonder what happened like i don't think it's ever said what old man marley and his son we're mad about but just that they stop being you know stop talking one day yeah and, and it, it really i mean a, the old it, man molly probably left his kid at the house alone <laughs> he was too busy salting the streets in the winter time <laughs> i did this i left my children alone once once <laughs> he hasn't talked to me in 20 years <laughs> dad you haven't you missed my wedding because you were too busy salting the streets who gets married in december <laughs> <laughs> i do feel like that they 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 imply without using any words and dialogue and stuff like that that maybe he had some sort of vices which is what kind of kept him ostracized from his own family feeling cocaine Hey, Maybe. whatever his vices were, he still had a nice house across the street from them. So. Yeah, yeah, that's the one thing that's a little strange about all of this. But cocaine you know, in Chicago in this economy? <laughs> oh, oh, 90s Chicago. Oh man. Talk about a white Christmas. Hey <laughs> Are you fucking writing jokes for Letterman over there? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now that we got the lesson out of the way, it's time for the hijinks, baby. <laughs> because the, everybody's favorite part of the movie. Because the next part is 20 minutes of fucking Joe Pesci getting his shit kicked in. I mean, this just proves that, you know, the Second Amendment is bullshit. You can defend your home. You don't need a gun necessarily. <laughs> yeah, you just. It, but I do like that, like the weapons that he uses are like literally all the things that like kids do to piss you off, which is like pull the ornaments off the Christmas tree and then they all like get destroyed and you, you, all the fucking toys oh. that you step on on the floor, yeah, you know, all the totally pain and shit. On the doorknob. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, what is that heater thing he put on the doorknob? By the way. I think I think people used to use it to heat up blankets back in the day. Like you would put it under your comforter and you'd like leave it on for a little while, and then you, you know what I mean, like you heat up your bed and then you take it out and turn it off. That's like asking for a fire to start. Yeah. The way that thing, the way that thing heated. I'm just, up. I'm just so excited that we get to get into how many ways these guys should have died. In oh house. yeah. You might as well get into it now. You mean like <laughs> when uh, you mean when uh, Marv. Like steps on the 
<laughs> he steps on the nail on the door, the door. Uh, oh no, what's it called? The on the stair step and almost like eats shit and breaks his neck falling backward. <laughs> oh yeah, sweet hepatitis. <laughs> when Harry gets his head set on fire. That is my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> because Joe Pesci's face as his head burns and he looks like fucking the Ghost Rider. <laughs> also, Joe Pesci, when they were filming yeah. it, Joe Pesci refused to talk to Macaulay Culkin off a set. Like while they were not filming, so he because he wanted Macaulay Culkin to really be scared of him. Oh, and, he, really? and you know what? And Joe Pesci is pretty threatening. Like I mean, he he does have this like threatening persona because obviously he was in gang movies at the time. Mm, <laughs> he was yeah. doing Scorsese movies, so like yes, you believe him as like the was, like psychopathic hitman. <laughs> I was telling Javi before we started. I was on Javi before we started Angel that John Lovitz and Robert De Niro turned down the part. That's funny. That's funny, yeah. I, and you're obviously glad it's Joe Pesci because it's oh, just it's great. it's the voice, man. It's the voice. It's the mannerisms that it just makes him perfect for this. And him and, and him and is it Daniel Stern? Is Daniel Stern? Right? Him, yeah, they're Daniel great. Stern. Yeah, they're great and, together. And, great and it's funny because yeah. it's funny because Daniel Stern, like I'm just right now I'm rewatching The Wonder Years a lot. And I don't know if you guys know this, but Daniel Stern actually plays the narr. He actually does provides the voice of the narrator in the Wonder Years. So Fred Savage's character, Fred Savage's Fred Savage is like the main character of the show, but David yeah, Stern Corey is Matthews the voice. Brother. Yeah, uh, and brother. then David and then David Stern is like the adult, uh, I guess, c- character who's telling you like the entire like story of his childhood. So, <laughs> so it's like I hear him like have like use his regular normal voice and then I see him play like fucking wild ass Marvin. <laughs> so it's so weird. I want the R rated version. And he's even of this movie. they make him way more wild in the second one too. Yeah. He just gets again, crazier. He basically becomes like a sixties Batman villain in like the that's, second one. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, you just got the Riddler and Penguin running around from Adam. That's West exactly what I was about to say. In the second one. <laughs> Because why, why why were you gonna say that, Angel? Because everything goes back to Batman. There it is. <laughs> and I thought we were about to make an episode with that one. I got a little scared there. But uh, I want to see the R-rated version of this movie where Joe Pesci just looks at Macaulay Culkin and goes, "You motherfucker!" Oh, you <laughs> motherfucker! <laughs> I love how he cuts off the voice too. Like he's just rabbling. Like you motherfucker! Yeah. <laughs> like what? <laughs> It's fucking great, dude. Like he, he loses great. his gold too. Like what? I was watch- so I was watching this horror movie where they try to recreate the uh, the they try to recreate the paint can scene um, to see if it can like kill somebody. And you know, in the movie, it does. But apparently, I think in MythBusters, they learned you totally can kill someone. Like that. oh, dude, that would have totally broke somebody's neck. Yeah, are you <laughs> fucking kidding me? <laughs> like it would have smashed your nose all up into your brain. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> that would have totally broke someone's neck for sure. Oh, shit. What's some other... I forget. What's some other stuff that happens to them? I know they almost kill Doesn't each it, other with the tarantula. Isn't there something with feathers? Isn't there something with, like, feathers and, like, tar? Yeah. yeah. Marv gets... No, not Marv. Um, was it Marv? Harry. Harry. Oh, Harry. Harry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Harry, you look like a chicken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. 
Oh man! So eventually, after after all the hijinks take place, you know, the, I think at one point they get oh the, my second favorite scene. Sorry, I just remembered when Kevin puts the tarantula in Marv's face <laughs> and he screams like bloody fucking murder, fucking great. When he hits him with the crowbar and he almost kills uh, Marv again. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He almost kills Harry. Oh, God. Why does he have to have such similar names, damn it? They do? In my head. <laughs> shut up. In my head movie, yes. <laughs> oh, man. So after... And apparently Kevin had time to create, like, a fucking zipline zip line. <laughs> so he manages to escape from the house, going into his treehouse, and I guess he breaks into, like... Is it the neighbor's house he goes into, or is it back down in the kitchen? I think he breaks. It into is the, the neighbor's, neighbor's house. house. Yeah. Yeah. It is yeah. the neighbor's house because the scene after uh, when the police are actually taking Harry and Marv away, Kevin is back at his house watching from across the street. That's right. Because so he ends up going to the neighbor's house where he gets uh, caught by Marv and Harry. And while they're like talking about all the crazy, you know, disturbing shit they're going to do to like torture the kid, in comes old man Marley for the save with the good old snow shovel. (laughs) And he beats this two guys senseless with it, saves the kid, takes him back to his home. They call 911. And because Marv insisted on uh, letting the sinks run and, you know, to build up their uh, brand. They were able to connect them with all the other burglaries that were taking place around the neighborhood. So the guys get put away, sent to jail, and then Kevin, you know, goes to sleep. And he wakes up Off to jail for the next maybe couple years before they end up running into him in New York again. (laughs) But in in actual reality, they film it like eight months later. Yeah. (laughs) So they, they didn't get too much of a long prison term for this. Damn Democrats. Damn Democrat runs. <laughs> yeah, they got so, in on that no they got in that no bail. <laughs> they had no cash bail funds over there. So yeah. for some reason none of the cops think that maybe the kid needs to get put into CPS or some shit. So he, he's just left at home. And you know well, I, mean, I, I thought about that, but I think it's because Kevin's not there when they arrest him. Kevin's in another house, so the police actually uh, have no idea. Uh, you know, they 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 had no idea Kevin's even involved at this point. And old man Marley ain't no snitch, so he let Kevin live his life. <laughs> yeah. So on Christmas morning, Kevin gets surprised with uh, his mom making it home, and his entire family actually ends up coming home with him. Uh, with um, Kate ending up meeting up with everybody and we get a nice little family reunion um i later started thinking about it i'm like wow she took all those plane all those planes and took all that trip to get back home and if only she had waited for the original flight that they set aside for her, she would have made it the exact same time <laughs> like and i love was... how the dad points that out like the dad's like we hopped on the flight that came the next day yeah, he was like, you know, the one you were supposed to be on, but you refused to get on. But I guess, you know, it's it, it's again, it's that thing where it's like... It's a peace of mind thing, I think, in some ways. 
it's you trying to do everything in your power and i think that's what she felt like she needed to do i've done shit like that it's when you whenever you're stuck in the freeway traffic so you get off on the city streets and even though it'll take you the same amount of time it's like it's the feeling of being in control of your suffering yeah yeah because you're moving you're like hey i'm moving (laughs) same thing she probably felt she was moving instead of not you know just sitting there and kind of waiting until her kid uh you know, fought off a home invasion all by himself. <laughs> and, you know, we get one final gag where Buzz goes upstairs and screams at Kevin, what happened to my brew? <laughs> then the credits roll, and uh, that's the end of Home Alone, guys. <laughs> yes, so, sir. Uh, Was it good for you? <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I again... I, I knew I was going to like this movie, even though I hadn't seen it in a very long time, but I was definitely, you know, in the conversation that we had here and then, you know, just from watching it for the first time in forever, I actually remembered how much I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, I think it is going to start becoming uh, a part of my regular Christmas movie rotation (laughs) going forward. So yes, I definitely did like Home Alone. Go ahead, Howie. You can go. I'll go away. All right. Yeah. Like, I, I said it also in the beginning of the show. I'm super biased, uh, but I love this movie. I thought it was it's a really good holiday movie. I think it's a great family flick. I think it's funny. I think it's edgy enough to kind of, like, hit everyone's funny bone. But, like Angel said, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of hijinks that go on that even if you're an old, you know, 30-year-old man like ourselves, or, you know, guy guys reaching their 30s like ourselves, you're still going to laugh, and you're going to giggle at some of the goofy shit going on. But, I mean, it, it's funny watching it as an adult because, you know, as a kid, you only focus on the last 20 minutes of the movie, which I think is a pretty good strength that if you're a kid, that's all you focus on, that's all you're taking home with you. But as an adult, you really start reading in the subtext, you start dissecting it, and you're like, wow, this is actually, this is a pretty deep for a Christmas movie, especially, like, how it deals with um, kind of, like, separation of families during the holidays and how that could really be, uh, weigh on someone's head. So it's cool to see, like, it's cool to see in a, you know, in a good way. It, it, I, I thought, I'm rambling, I really like this movie. <laughs> All right, Joe, how do you... Uh, Joe, did you like this movie? Um, complete crap. No, I I think it's pretty good. Um, I'm not gonna say it's my favorite Christmas movie. Look, I think it's a great movie. I can watch it every year. I watch it every year, pretty much for the most part. Um, I think the acting in it's way better than I thought when I was a kid. Like when I was a kid, like you were just saying, you totally kind of gloss over a lot of the the main plot and you kind of gloss over a lot of the main storyline and just want to get to the whole bunch of stuff that go on at the end but especially now like like kind of watching it as an adult i really respect it as being a comedy movie like i think it's a pretty funny movie without really being raunchy or even really having like a crazy dialogue between people you know like it's not a movie where there's like two two three four people having a big you know big laugh fest like it's kind of funny on its own and it's just funny to listen to so yeah i, I think this movie is great i think it's pretty awesome and i would totally recommend seeing it and you know it's awesome 
Nice. All right. So, how would you guys feel about a Home Alone remake? Hmm. Well, are we talking outside of like the shitty third and fourth one they did? <laughs> I'm actually talking about the Home Alone remake that is going to come out on Disney Plus. I think I don't know if it's next year or the year after, but it, this is a movie that's already been in production since December of last year. So. It is, is it most the one that definitely coming. Signed on to do? Well, he, he well I don't see that he's in it. It's starring, I guess, uh, Archie Yates, who is a kid, who is, I guess, uh, this kid actor in Jojo Rabbit. Um, oh, it's, I love Jojo Rabbit. Okay. It's written by Mikey Day from uh, from Saturday Night Live, and he's also apparently going to be in it. I love Mikey Day. He's pretty funny. And uh, apparently Ellie Kemper and uh, Keenan Thompson are also going to be in this. So, and Pete Holmes is apparently going to be in it too. So, Pete Holmes is going to be okay dead. Nice. I'm, I'm okay it, with it. I mean, like, I, I'm all for. I'm not, and I'm not like one. I'm also, but I'm also like kind of put it out there. Like, I'm not the type of person that's going to be like, you should not re- remake the classics. They're classics for a reason. Like, hey, like if someone wants to put their own flair on it and try to do it, hey, go ahead. Like, I just. I watched Jingle All the Way Two the other day with Larry the Cable Guy. Okay, what? so <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. And if, you know what? If you like Larry the Cable Guy's redneck humor, you may like it. I'm just saying. So, but I'm also all for remakes. Like if you wanna, if you wanna try to put your own spin on it, hey, go ahead. I'm all for it. I'll probably watch it. So that's true. I mean, again, like I think we talked about remakes and stuff. We talked about, Angel and I have talked about ad nauseum how much we hate when people are like, you're ruining my childhood. Honestly, like, you should be happy. Like, if they're making a remake, that just means that these stores are going to put out more stuff for the thing you do like. And it's like, all right, cool. Like, so we're not anti remake here. No, not at all. In fact, one of of Javi's favorite movies is The Thing, which is a remake of an older movie. Yeah, you want to sit here and tell me The Thing from Outer Space is better than The Thing? Go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, I love me some Kurt Russell, so, you know, it is what it is. The man is a national treasure. Him and Goldie Hawn? I I have a. Hold on. I don't want to go with this, but Angel. How did you not mention who scored this movie? Oh, John Williams. Bitch. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally did. John even... freaking Williams scored <laughs> this, and the soundtrack to this movie is great. The soundtrack to Home Alone, like you know, the little tiny Christmas songs they play in between here and there. Oh yeah, the the. the... The, uh, the, yeah, the Christmas Bell song and stuff like that. Like, I knew that song because of this movie. Like, the the like the actual compositions that they did, like, it, it, it was unlocking childhood memories as I was listening to it. And once I heard that, like, when I remember when I learned that John Williams did it, I was like, freaking Star Wars? <laughs> oh, my God. I think I, think I got something... Well, what what I want to know for what I, I have a question for you guys because you guys have been doing this a lot longer than me. Um, this movie, this movie's budget was eighteen million. This movie made four hundred and seventy-seven million in the box office. It spent twelve weeks straight at number one. And like I said earlier, I don't know if I said it while we were before on, but it was it's the tenth highest grossing live action comedy ever. So like, what what do you think resonated with people so much? 
that made this movie just phenomenal. I mean, this movie reached heights that like no comedy had ever reached when this movie came out. I really think it's a combination of things. I, I think it was Macaulay Culkin stepping in. It was into his moment. This came in the year right after Uncle Buck. So the fact that John Candy is in this as well, John Candy and Macaulay Culkin getting back together. Again, that's a thing that people are interested in. Uh, Planes, trains, and automobiles. It really is, I think, a, a combination of the stuff all of these people were doing at the time. And it's just... I, it was the right market for it, right? Like, I mean, I think stuff like Jingle All the Way exists because of this movie, like straight up. For sure. And 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 like stuff that would come later in the decade too, like Little Rascals and stuff. Like, I really do think that Macaulay Culkin and Home Alone are the reason why people were so interested in like kid movies in the nineties. Oh, and- Disney Channel made a, a living off of it because they would make a movie every darn. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> every two months there'd be a movie coming out I I gotta agree with Adriel I think this movie is just the perfect storm of all these great actors and great like writers and great like directors and all it's just the perfect storm of these people being really good at a certain thing and just being able to have an avenue to do it you know because like why too I mean like the name I mean just the names in it right I mean you got like I said John Williams scored it John Candy's in it you have Chris Columbus John John Joe Pesci Joe Pesci who we barely talked about like yeah (laughs) Joe Pesci was fantastic as the villain you know and he was in Goodfellas this same year too that's that's it was the same damn year (laughs) Jesus I mean I go on rants that are very Joe Pesci-esque the man has influenced my life in huge ways (laughs) and Joe Pesci's phenomenal in this movie I mean he's phenomenal like like that's the thing um freaking why oh my god why am I blanking on uh the writer again Angel can you remind me John Hughes Thank you. John so Hughes, John Hughes oh. is he, John Hughes is fantastic at writing dialogue. I think he's just like one of those dudes that's really gifted at that. Um, Chris Columbus is great at making like the just like these family comedies, like these wholesome movies. The the movie that this borrows a lot from is, or at least has the same vibe, is Adventures in Babysitting. You know, another movie he did, which he um, made like two years before. Yeah. Exactly, like you know, like Macaulay Culkin is just this child actor a really good child actor really knows how to convey emotion from a young age like i thought he he was and i mean he goes on to kill it the rest of this decade (laughs) like i think they they it was just the perfect storm of folks and it just really it must have hit some note for people and plus like everyone relates to the holidays in some way shape or form yeah i definitely think this added into the holidays too like i mean this is you know obviously this is a christmas movie and and a movie centered around Christmas, but I think this, I mean, you, like like you guys are saying, I don't think you get Elf later on without mm-hmm. this, you know, like, I don't think you get as big a jingle all the way it was without this, you know, like, you don't get other Christmas movies that, you know, or the Santa Claus, you know, like, you don't get the a big family Christmas movies that, that we see come out in the mid, mid-90s and late-90s and the early 2000s without having the force that this movie created, which was probably not really intended at all, mm-hmm. but, yeah, I think I think I, I totally can see where you guys are coming from. Very good analysis, my young players. So I'd like to thank you guys for joining us for this episode, and we'd like to thank Joey for also joining us on this episode. Because uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of nice to go over a movie like this where me and Javi may not like know as much about it, but then we have somebody on it that like knows this movie a whole lot better than we did. So we really appreciate uh, having you on the show, and you know, 
I'm pretty sure at some point in the future when we do more Christmas movies, it could turn into a thing how like, you know, every time we do Spider-Man yeah. movies, Danny and uh, Jose tend to end up on the show. So who knows? Maybe, maybe Joey ends up on more Christmas movies. And hey, if you want to get into Hawkeye, let me know. I'm in there. Disney Plus is making a show. Let me know. <laughs> don't worry. It's not going to have Jeremy Renner, so you don't have to get mad. It's going to be about Kate Bishop. My hate runs deeper than Jeremy freaking runner. Okay. <laughs> if they shoot arrows in the Marvel universe, they get hated on. <laughs> it's a, oh, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you guys next week. And uh, yeah, please continue interacting with us on social media and uh, continue to leave reviews on our Apple podcast so that we can up the awareness of the show. Um, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Happy holidays, y'all. This uh, don't want to really like date the podcast, but just know if you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, shit, whatever pagan holidays you filthy pagans listen to <laughs> or adhere. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, but for real, Happy holidays. Enjoy yourselves. Stay safe. Um, yeah, much love. <laughs>